to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, September the 6th, 2022. Praise be to God. Hey, a cashless, cash, as easy for me to say, huh? Cashless society. Can you imagine? A cashless society. What could go wrong? Especially when woke identity politics gets to determine the winners and losers in said society. We're going to have a conversation with EJ Anthony from the Heritage Foundation coming up at 35 past the hour. Uh, our economy being driven by all the wrong decisions, it would seem. We'll get his take coming up. Also on the program, Frater Garion from the Norbertines is going to be on the program. Uh, he's in town hanging out with his family, but uh, we're going to be talking about religious vocations. Why do some communities thrive and others don't? We're going to get his take at 15 past the hour. Stick around for that. At the top of the next hour, if you can join us, we'd love to have you, surely. Attorney Brent Ains is going to be on. We're going to talk about the veterans, uh, you know, the VA being used to provide abortion access what's going on in our in our military and government these days woke identity politics at full effect there as well speaking of the military you knew uh i don't know if you caught this story or not but they flew two b-52 stratofortress bombers over the middle east those things have been flying since the 1950s and uh they're flying them over the middle east to show us uh, like a strength of force right not sure who they're intimidating iran but nonetheless that happened over the weekend. On Sunday, voters in Chile uh, rejected a proposed new constitution. They do not want this uh, sort of uh, new woke in their country. The, 62% of the Chileans rejected the draft. Praise be to God. That's a good thing. The IRS, your besties, you know, your friends, your BFFs, you know, they just, you know, hired 87,000 new agents with your tax dollars. Well, they sort of released your public inform your tax information publicly. Just briefly though, just ever so briefly. It was 120 I think it was 120,000 form 990s were made public. So, there was that. Also, in a recent video to first-year students at Notre Dame, Notre Dame Vice President for Student Affairs Father Jerry Olinger tells students to accept that a person's gender identity may not match a person's biological sex and exhorts everyone to use the inclusive language of the LGBTQ movement, even though it is a uh, violation of our conscience and Catholic Church teaching. So there's that from a priest at Notre Dame. Good morning to you, Mike Koeniger. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Praise be to God, I am alive. And how are you? I am alive as well. And That and counts. Rolling. <laughs> it does count. <laughs> it counts. You're filling in uh, today for Rudy, uh, who is filling in today for, for Adrian Fonseca. So uh, you're going to be hanging out with us for the rest of the week. Uh, are you up for that? I am up for that, and the dominoes continue to fall. Praise be, praise be to God. Speaking of which, Rudy Carlos is hanging out on the ones and twos this week. Uh, do you like DJ work or do you like news work, Rudy? Uh, I like the news work better, to be honest. Do you? Yeah. You know, I like pushing buttons, just mm. not not here. <laughs> not these buttons. <laughs> these are not the buttons you're looking for. Exactly. Uh, but it was your birthday over the weekend. Praise be to God. It was. Uh, happy Thank birthday you. to you. Thank you very much. Had a great birthday. I spent yeah. it with the Carbones. So thank really? you very much, Carbones, for hosting 
interesting I got to my see family. them. Yeah, it was, it was I fantastic. saw them on first Saturday, praise be to God, at, after Holy Mass. They Very stopped nice. by. I was like a walking zombie, though. I was like half asleep still coming out of church. <laughs> just like, they're like, hey. I'm like, hey, how oh, you doing? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> like just ready for bed so <laughs> badly. But uh, praise God. So nothing too exciting then for your birthday. Like, uh, you'd like well, to, you'd, did you do the knife game with your fingers? Remember when you were a kid, you used to... You have your friends do the knife game with your fingers? Yeah, no, I didn't do that. No, uh, I crawled out of bed mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. uh, went out to the uh, viper local pit. pond, hoping there weren't any vipers. Are you, like you picked up the local snakes from the ground? No, and you just definitely not. No, I, I'm not Super Dave, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I went out there, did some birding, uh, took yeah. some video. My camera mm-hmm. decided to die on my birthday, which was very rude. Wow! But I uh, had a good time anyway. There was that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Fuji. I don't know what to tell oh, you. Oh, boy. But, uh, in Lumix is the best way to go. Anyway, uh, praise be to God. Well, I'm glad your birthday went really well. Um, God is so good. I'm glad you he got is. to see hang out with some of our CDT insiders. By the way, the CDT insiders on the Telegram group this morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. I see Tammy over there, Mike Kay and Damon and Monica. Praise be to God. Jeff Burrier and the crew. Uh, good morning to everyone. We'll be hanging out for the after show with you, and you get to comment directly with us on whatever you like and didn't like about the program or anything else uh, in the live comments. So make sure to leave a comment, especially if you've never done so. But let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear, and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Mike Koeniger. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Drive Time. It is Tuesday, Tuesday, September 6th, and these are your headlines. European Union High Representative warns block running out of arms and ammo after Ukraine giveaways. Weapon stocks in the European Union are running low as member countries continue to send arms and ammunition to Ukraine, a top EU diplomat warned Monday, and urged EU nations to better coordinate their spending on military material. At a meeting in the Czech Republic last week, EU defense ministers debuted, debated ideas how to better pool military material and resources, but also how to bulk purchase ammunition and weapons like air defense systems, which Ukraine continues to need. From Reuters, Putin approves new foreign policy doctrine based on Russian world. The 31-page humanitarian policy published more than six months into the war in Ukraine says Russia should protect, safeguard, and advance the tradition and ideals of the Russian world. While presented as a kind of soft power strategy, it enshrines in foreign policy ideas around Russian politics and religion what some hardliners have used to justify Moscow's occupation of parts of Ukraine and support for breakaway pro-Russian entities in the east of the country. Student loan debt forgiveness plan may cost up to $1 trillion. President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan is a slap in the face to blue-collar workers. The average person with a bachelor's degree will earn around $1.2 million more over their lifetime than someone with a high school diploma. Despite assertions to the contrary, this bailout will ultimately end up being paid for by taxpayers, analysts said. 
Chilean voters soundly reject far-left constitution. Among the more than 100 supposed fundamental rights proposed in the constitution were neurodiversity, adequate healthy, sufficient nutritionally complex and complete culturally relevant food, sex education, abortion, physical activity, safe and violence-free environments, universal health care, free time, an unfettered right for trade unions to strike, and the right for Chileans to develop their personality, identity, and life projects. Autonomous territories would be set up for indigenous Chileans with their own governing and justice systems. Elected bodies would be required to be composed of at least 50% women, and the government would be required to fight climate change and property rights would be weakened. And those are your headlines. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Frontiano of Alba. He was born in Carcassonne, France, and he may have served as a soldier in an Imperial Roman Legion and studied in his hometown of Carcassonne, France, where he became a deacon. As a pilgrim to Rome with Juan Cassiano, he healed people along the way by praying for them and performing other miracles, including crossing a river on a piece of debris that floated up to carry him over. In Alba, Pompeia, Italy, he, was, he expelled a demon from a teenager. The girl's parents converted and were baptized by Frontiano, but the prefect of the city had him arrested and executed for the crime of being a Christian. He was beheaded on October the 23rd, 311, on the road outside of the city walls of Alba Pompeia. A Benedictine abbey dedicated to St. Frontiano was later built on the site of his execution, and it's the source of the information we have about him. In the 16th century, there developed a tradition of bringing sick children to the cathedral, carrying them nine times around the outside of the church, and then bringing them before the relics to pray for the intercession of Frontiano. St. Frontiano of Alba, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. Jesus departed to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. When day came, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a stretch of level ground. A great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And even those who were tormented by unclean spirits were cured. Everyone in the crowd sought to touch him, because power came forth from him and healed them all. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose would say, quote, Let not thy ears be open to deceit, that thou shouldest think that the Son of God prays from want of strength, that he may obtain what he could not perform. For being himself the author of power, the master of obedience, he leads us by his own example to the precepts of virtue. Close quote, St. Ambrose, 
pray for us. I love this particular passage or this the quote here from St. Ambrose about uh, about this because I can't tell you how many times I've run into people who will quote verses uh, either like this one or, or like, uh, you know, St. Paul and Philippians that uh, I do not hold equality of God, something to be grasped. They put this they put this idea in, uh, in, in our minds that Jesus himself, Jehovah's Witnesses are famous for this. That Jesus himself is, is definitely telling us he is not God by saying and making such actions and such statements. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. He is, in fact, God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is the master and, and author of creation. But he shows us by example. He leads the way. And I think that's very powerful insight today. St. Augustine would say, Judas the traitor is chosen, not unwittingly, but knowingly. For Christ had indeed taken to himself the weakness of man, and therefore refused not even this share of human infirmity. He was willing to be betrayed by his own apostle, that thou, when betrayed by thy friend, mayest bear calmly thy mistaken judgment, thy kindness thrown away. Close quote, St. Augustine. Right. We have to live with the the tares. The wheat must live with the tares until the final judgment. There is no getting out of it. There's no getting around it. There's no uh, little creating a little safe space where we can be unaffected by the sinners within the body of Christ. No, they will be here until the final judgment. Cyril of Alexandria would say, quote, when the ordination of the apostles was accomplished and great numbers were collected together from the country of Judea and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who were idolaters, he gave the apostles their commission to be the teachers of the whole world, that they might recall the Jews from the bondage of the law, but the worshipers of devils from their Gentile errors to the knowledge of truth. The apostles are sent to the four corners, to Jew and Gentile alike. It wasn't a novel thing that came later. It was the very intent of our Lord and Savior. The Venerable Bede would say, quote, You will scarcely find anywhere that the multitudes follow our Lord to the higher places, or that a sick person is healed on a mountain. But having quenched the fever of lust and lit the torch of knowledge, each man approaches by degrees to the height of the virtues. But... The multitudes which were able to touch the Lord and are healed by the virtue of that touch, as formerly the lepers cleansed when our Lord touched him. The touch of the Savior, then, is the work of salvation. Whom to touch is to believe on him. To be touched is to be healed by his precious gifts. Close quote. The Venerable Bede. St. Bede, pray for us. Today... We should long to touch the Savior, to be saved, but healed as well. Body, body, mind, and soul. Let us seek after the Lord. Let us strive to touch Him. Amen. Praise be to God. After this very quick break, Frater Frater Carrion is going to be our guest. We'll be right back. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. 
I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well, then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 1130 a.m. to 330 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Just thinking about how hard it is to take three days off from the show and have to get right back at it. The brain feels very foggy today. But nonetheless, uh, E.J. Anthony is going to be our guest coming up at uh, 35 past this hour. He is with the Heritage Foundation. We're going to be talking about several issues related to the economy, the GDP, a cashless society, woke identity politics, and so much more. So make sure that you're tuned in and do us a favor and do share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful for that. But joining us right now in the studio is Frater Garion. He is with the Norbertine community. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Frater. Good morning, Joe. Uh, good to see you. <laughs> good to see you too. Uh, I was, you know, I was going to say like, uh, well, hopefully you're okay to operate this time of day, but you guys get up early <laughs> all the time. That's right. Yeah. We have uh, morning prayer starts at 545. So I'm usually up by 4, 4.30. Yeah, praise be to God. You know, all of the best human beings on planet Earth get up early. Let's just <laughs> admit that. No, nobody who's still sleeping knows that, you know? Uh, so it's our little secret, but it's true, right? Getting out of bed is uh, is an amazing gift of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You get a lot more done. You get focused. You get to enjoy the sunrise. Yeah, we weren't we weren't really um, we weren't really late sleepers growing up. So no, no. Oh wow. So the transition wasn't too tough for me. And it's, it's great. <laughs> Let's talk about vocations in religious communities. Uh, give me give me the elevator pitch for you. What, why did you uh, feel called to religious life, and why the Norbertines? Yeah. So um, basically, when um, I, I can really see God's grace in throughout my life um, in the fact that we didn't grow up, my family didn't grow up very um, faithful, very traditional, very Catholic at all. Um, but God still put it on my heart for some reason or another when I was about nine years old um, that I wanted to be a priest, even though I didn't really know what a priest did, um, it, other than uh, um, I would see him on Sundays. You know, we would go to Mass on Sundays. Um, but other than that, I didn't really know what what a priest did. And um, But for some reason, my dad asked me one day, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, you know, I think I want to be a priest. And um, <clears throat> that just kind of set with me. And as I, I grew up, um, thanks be to God, my parents, uh, we still went to Mass every Sunday, and we um, we still went to, uh, they put me in the right places to learn about the faith. They made me do confirmation class, et cetera, so, <laughs> Praise be to God. Which, which was pretty good um, in some some places. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some places, not, not so good, but for us it was. Um, and so 
in, <clears throat> in my religious formation, uh, religious education, um, thanks be to God, I had plenty of time to spend before the Blessed Sacrament. And in one one instance, when I was about 13, um, I just realized that that this was a good place to be, that church was a good place to be, mm-hmm. and that um, our Catholic faith, that it was good to be a Catholic. Amen. And um, so I just kind of followed that and really had some beautiful experiences before the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. And um, uh, as I got into high school, just got more involved at the parish and um, realized that, that that call that I had felt when I was about nine years old uh, to be a priest was still really strong and, and was growing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went to the University of St. Thomas here in Houston because I knew it'd be a good place to discern my vocation. Mm-hmm. And it was. Um, and I, I met plenty of priests and religious and realized that that was the life that God was calling me to. Um, and more specifically for the Norbertines, um, it was, I did my degree at UST in music. Mm. And um, so... When you say music, do you mean like uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> Billy Joel, Led Zeppelin? What are we talking about when you say music? Um, <laughs> I certainly liked all that stuff when I was when I was a kid. Um, my first CD was Guns N' Roses. So <laughs> oh, which one? <laughs> uh, Appetite for Destruction. Really? <laughs> when I was a kid, I I stole some Guns N' Roses uh, cassette tapes out of Kmart. <laughs> Oh, public boy. confession here. Yeah. <laughs> Motley Crue, I, yeah, it was bad times. Bad yeah, times, yeah, yeah. I had all my my mom's old CDs, so um, <laughs> or t- I had all her old cassette tapes, and then she bought me like the the CD reiterations of, yeah. of all that stuff. But yeah. anyway, um, so but no, I studied. I'm talking classical music. So I see. Yeah, so <laughs> just, that's a different definition of music. A different <laughs> definition of music. Um, exactly. Um, classical, so I was a vocalist, a singer, mm-hmm. um, and so thanks be to God at UST, the music we do in the, the in our core program was um, is sacred music. So mm. I got a really good introduction to the, the sacred music of the church, which I did not grow up with at all. Yeah, um, I got a uh, we were doing beautiful Latin polyphony, um, and it was. It was through my connections in the UST music department that I that I found out about Gregorian chant, mm-hmm. and that I um, that I found out about the fact that there are still people doing using our our traditional music, um, Gregorian chant polyphony, in the sacred liturgy, um, and at the same time uh, through one of my professors at UST finding out about the traditional Latin mass, um, becoming just really more traditional in my liturgical yeah. I preferences, if you want to say, sure. Um, so, sort of those those two things—the music and then and then the traditional liturgy—sort of combined. Yeah, but why the Norbertines? So then, so when I uh, when I found out about the Norbertines, it was through uh, through another one of my professors at UST, and I, I visited, and I heard them sing, and I heard, and I thought, this is what God was calling me to be. Yeah, this is the kind of priest I need to be because of what is their charism. So as Norbertines were canons regular, which is basically means a we're a monk plus a priest, mm-hmm. in, in that we're monks and that we live in a monastery, um, and but we're priests by nature, and our main job is to celebrate to sing the divine office. Oh wow! And so we sing all seven hours of the divine office every day, um, completely sung, never never recited, um, 
And then from that, mm-hmm. from our monastic life combined with the priestly life, we have apostolic ministry um, as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll run parishes. Um, we, we have two parishes currently in uh, the Diocese of Orange. Mm-hmm. And we'll also, um, we'll, we used to run a, a prep school at our abbey. So everything sort of flows from our monastic yeah. celebration of the office. And I had the great privilege of visiting your uh, your monastery uh, July. I think it was in July. Yeah. I was giving a talk at a conference in uh, in uh, Anaheim, and uh, my, my friends picked me up afterwards and uh, took me for a joyride to the monastery in the hills of the rolling hills of California. And it was epic. It's an epic, epic church, praise be to God. And then I got to actually watch your uh, your brothers uh, sing the Divine Office. I don't think you were there at the time. Frater Giovanni was was there. He was on the program uh, just before that, about a month before that or so. Uh, so it was it was pretty it was pretty intense to to watch the the devotion and the uh, and the intent. It felt very special, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's part of the attraction of such communities mm-hmm. is there's something special. Or recently, Shia LaBeouf t- was talking to. Uh, Bishop Barron about how the traditional Latin Mass and Padre Pio affected him in such a such a wonderful way, and what, he characterized it that way. He said when he went going to the liturgy, the traditional Latin Mass liturgy, he said it was he felt it was it was special, it was unique, it was letting him into something truly truly intimate. I'm sort of re-characterizing his words a bit there, but uh, I, I, with only five minutes left in this segment, I wonder. Is that at the heart of why some communities thrive and some communities don't? Um, it could be um, that uh, that specialness, that sacredness, that's that mystery, that divine mystery. Yeah, well, um, the, the code of canon law is very clear about what religious are supposed to do, and we're supposed to. Our main apostolate is prayer and penance, mm-hmm. and so when a community um, when a community is faithful to those two things, prayer. And penance, it, it does, it creates a sort of a mystery that you're talking about. And, um, you know, you can, for example, you can just tell when, when you see a holy monk and he sort of radiates this aura, for example, mm-hmm. um, kind of that secret, that, that, that sacredness that Shia LaBeouf was talking about. Um, and uh, so I think, uh, I think that's, that's, you maybe hit the nail on the head there. Why do you think some communities have lost that, that edge? Because... Um, Satan never stops mm-hmm. trying to tempt us, and um, and you know many things. Obviously, the last fifty years and even a little before then have been really crazy uh, for the church and for the world. Um, but it's that that fidelity to prayer that is so essential. Mm-hmm. We have to imitate. Religious are called to imitate the Lord in um, in a closer way. We call it the closer following of Christ. Um, all all the faithful are called to follow Christ, but religious in a particular way. And so mm-hmm. um, we are really called to do to to follow him in a more literal way. And even one slip can can sort of snowball, if you will. Yeah. Um, what about so your community in particular is not um, cloistered. You're like you are you you live in society. You're not set apart from that way. Yeah, we're sort of a mixture, so not not in the same way as a Dominican. Um, Dominicans sort of live in small groups all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, Norbertines, we make a, a prof- we make our profession to a particular church, our Abbey Church, the Abbey of Saint, uh, the Church of the Assumption of Our Lady in Orange, for example. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
the the main hub, if you will, of of an orbiting community is at that monastery church. But then from that, yes, we have, um, like I said, we run two parishes, yeah, and we have a, a smaller priory in Los Angeles. So um, it's more centralized and localized than 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 a mendicant would be, mm. but not as cloistered. You're right, as say a Carthusian. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is discerning? Uh, not sure what God's calling them to. I, I happen to know somebody who's very anxious about not getting it wrong, like not choosing the wrong path. What would you say to somebody like that who's standing like uh, sort of in the crossroads? I would say, uh, just remember the quote of St. John Paul II, be not afraid, and um, just always have on your heart, Jesus, I trust in you. And know that if you um, if you take a step in one direction or another, and you've really prayed, and you've really prepared yourself, and you give your entire heart to Jesus, that no matter what ha- what happens, it's all going to be under his gaze, and he's going to direct you, and he's going to take that generosity that you give in your yes to him, and he's going to lead you in the right way. Mm-hmm. As long as you're praying, and as long as you are, are living a good and, and holy life with the sacraments and everything that you need to be doing as a Catholic. Would you say, though, that if someone was, dis- if like they felt like there was a chance that they might be called to religious life, that they should first go and discern that before, like, in other words, the marriage or, or, or religious life, for example, shouldn't they first go and see and, and explore the religious life first? Yeah, I think if you, have a, uh, if you have a pretty definite or strong feeling that you might be called to religious life, mm-hmm. I, my personal advice would be to uh, discern that first. Because, um, you know, with discerning marriage, um, there's a lot of emotions involved, and it might you might not be able to think clearly enough. Um, if, <laughs> let's just say ninety nine percent of humanity yeah, exactly. can't think clearly enough because of those emotions for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I would say um, if you think you're called a religious life, you should discern that first. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's uh, if there's a if there's a if there's a seed there, then you should explore that first, exactly. and then you might find clarity in the process that leads you to a marriage someday. Uh, who knows? But either way, you can't discern a marriage without a relationship. So marriage to Christ or marriage to a spouse, you have to have a relationship first. All right, uh, praise be to God. Hold that thought, Frater Garyon. He's going to be back with us in the after show. If you want to ask questions or conversate directly, you can do that. Otherwise, right after the break, more breaking this news. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Good morning and God love you. These are your headlines. European gas prices soared 26% after Russia keeps key pipeline closed. Gas prices have soared on concerns over energy supplies after Russia announced it would not reopen its main gas pipeline to Europe. The Dutch month month ahead wholesale price, a benchmark for Europe, was up as much as 26% on Monday before falling back slightly. Gazprom scrapped plans to restart pumping limited volumes on Saturday after a maintenance shutdown, blaming a turbine leak. The decision, which European governments say is retaliation for Western sanctions over Russia's war in Ukraine, was inevitably reflected when those markets opened for business on Monday morning. The British pound hits lowest level against U.S. dollars in 37 years. The pound hit a low of $1.14 Monday in London before a small recovery of 0.1% by midday. Part of the weakening has been due to the net relative strength of the dollar, but economic uncertainty due to ongoing energy crisis and historically high inflation are helping drive the value of the pound down. The exact extent of England's inflation crisis is debated by forecasters, with the Bank of England forecasting 13% inflation, but Citigroup and Goldman Sachs predicting peaks of 18.6% and 22% respectively. Newsom signs bill aimed at creating standards for fast food working conditions in California. Newsom signed a bill on Labor Day that includes the creation of a 10-member fast food council, all of whom will be appointed by Newsom and other state lawmakers. No issue there. The council will establish procedures and standards on things such as working hours and wages. And those are your headlines. Remember to pray the rosary. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Mike, for keeping us up to date. We really appreciate you being on the team this week. Uh, joining us right now is uh, E.J. Anthony from the Heritage Foundation. Good morning to you, E.J. E.J., are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, good morning to you. Thanks for being on with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. There are a number of things I really want to get your input on in relation to the economy. And, uh, you know, one of the things... I was thinking about, I saw a post last week. I thought it was Starbucks saying they were going to go cashless now. And, and, uh, boy, that, uh, that really struck me a little bit of what that could mean for, for society and large and the sort of the implications of that. But I was thinking back in 1993, I was serving in the Marine Corps, the Tustin Marine Corps Air Station, uh, south of uh, Los Angeles. And I remember ducking into a Kentucky fried chicken. And for the first time ever, there were the credit card processing machines on the counter. And for the first time ever, you could pay for your chicken, your fried chicken, and your biscuit with, uh, with your debit card. And I thought, how amazing is this? Like, it blew my mind. And ever since then, we've, we've sort of slowly gravitated at the point where most people, I would say, don't carry cash today. And yet now we're seeing businesses going full-on cashless what is the implication here? Have we thought this through? What say you, E.J. Anthony? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure we have thought it through. Uh, and, and we see that in things like people threatening with these vaccine mandates, for example. 
uh, to impose what are the equivalent of financial sanctions on individuals who do not comply with these unconstitutional government edicts. You know, a lot of people thought uh, they had kind of this image in their head, if you will, how will vaccine mandates be enforced and there's going to be a SWAT team breaking down your door uh, with a, you know, a syringe in hand to give you the jab. But in reality, it's much more likely going to be when you go to buy food, your credit card gets declined. Mm. And in a cashless society, you have no alternative. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Um, we, we see this in China today. We see that Australia is embracing their social credit system in parts in some of the states in Australia. And it's been talked about in Canada and other parts of the of the West as well. Um, I guess there's upsides and there's downsides, right? It's nice to be able to like the Amber Alert system. It's nice to be able to let everybody know, hey, there's a there's a problem, there's an abduction. We need to all be on the lookout. That's the upside. The downside is what you just said, and that the people pulling the strings, getting to make these decisions, can then use them in bad ways that we wouldn't approve. That's sort of a a socialist communist system creeping up in a Western capitalist society. Do you think we'll end up there, whether we want to or not? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the direction the battleship is heading. And, you know, this country is a big old battleship, and she takes a long time to change direction. And that's one of the reasons why it is so imperative that we be on offense and that we take control now as best we can, that we do whatever we can to turn this ship around. You know, I love the passage in Scripture that says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it being the church, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we oftentimes forget that gates are defensive structures, implicit in that command from our Lord is that we be on offense. And this is one of those areas where we may not think of it necessarily as being a uh, religious, if you will, kind of arena. But in reality, the monetary uh, sphere does have a lot of spirituality behind it. And it is an area in which the Catholic needs to be involved. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are talking about uh, the mark of the beast and and some people feel like this cashless society could lend itself to there. And I, I love the commentary, I think it was from Dr. Taylor Marshall, about the nature of the mark of the beast being a willful desire to go along with the agenda of the Antichrist. And I, I look at China, for instance. We had a gentleman on last week who was a survivor of the Tiananmen Square massacre. He was a student uh, organizer, and he was number five on their most wanted list, spent a year in prison, as a matter of fact. And... Um, and I, one of the questions I really asked, I, I don't understand why, if it's the most populated country on planet Earth, why do so many citizens just go along with this? They clearly outnumber the government, you know, so why do they cooperate? And it seems like they do. Do you think a vast majority of Americans would cooperate with such a system? I think so. I think that's what the last two years, quite frankly, have shown us. I mean, like we, we knew from the beginning that masks were useless. And yet, look at how many people around the country were convinced, convinced that they not only worked, but we were all going to die if we weren't wearing them. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous how much power the media has in this country. And really, it's not so much an indictment of, of uh, state-sponsored media as it is an indictment of our education system. Mm -hmm. We now have a, a, we now have several generations in this country of people who do not know how to think critically. All they know how to do is to parrot back the things that they have been told. And that is the path to tyranny. You, know, you, you mentioned how is it possible that, that you know, the Chinese people outnumber their government so much. I mean, look at Nazi Germany. The, the German people outnumbered Hitler. They mm -hmm. outnumbered the SS. Look at the Soviet Union. 
the uh, the people in the Soviet Union clearly outnumbered everyone in their so-called leadership there in the Kremlin, and yet they were able to maintain power and maintain control. Yeah, yikes. Um, okay, one aspect I think most people don't think about when it comes to talking about the cashless society issue is what about the homeless? You know, uh, I, I attended for many years a uh, church in inner city Houston, and we were routinely confronted by homeless people who were asking for money. And when possible, I would give money to them, uh, irregardless of how they might use it. I always felt if God presented me the opportunity, I should be generous. And more and more, I found myself, I don't ha- I'm sorry, I don't have anything to give you because I don't carry cash anymore. And I realized since we've become dependent upon government programs to, to do this work for us, to take care of these people for us, and we as a body of Christ, the church, we are less and less actually doing this work, caring for these people. How do the poor, the ultra-poor, not just people of low income, but the ultra-poor, the homeless, how do they survive in a cashless society? Well, I mean, we are at the point today, and we have been, quite frankly, for a couple decades now, where if you are truly poor in this country, the amount of government um, handouts, if you will, that are available to you are are abundant, to say the least. You know, the problem in this country is not income inequality, but income equality. What I mean by that is, let's say you're a family in the bottom quintile. So you're in the bottom fifth of income earners, including those who have no income whatsoever. You qualify for so many different uh, government programs. You will get so much in government assistance that your disposable income will be the equivalent of a family in the middle income quintile. In other words, the average American with a family of four, right, mm. working, right, he is going to have the exact, uh, effectively the same standard of living as the family with no one working. So we have an incredibly robust uh, social safety net. So uh, although I have a, a lot of problems with a cashless society and with the digital currency that the Fed is trying to push for right now, I have to say that uh, the homeless would not be one of those concerns. Okay, so how is our GDP doing then, and how would this affect that? Uh, GDP is is not doing well. Um, although we are looking like we're going to expand for the third quarter, we already had, had the two consecutive quarters in the first half of the year where GDP declined, and we're probably after the third quarter going to see additional declines. If you look at new orders, for example, for businesses, they are just falling off a cliff. And yet wow. businesses are continuing to expand. Output is expanding. They're continuing to hire. And the reason for that is we have this tremendous backlog of orders. We have record unfilled orders at businesses because government imposed lockdowns during the pandemic caused those orders to back up. And now businesses are working through those backlogs. But the problem is we don't have enough new orders coming in to sustain current levels of output and therefore current levels of employment. So once you start working through those backlogs and you need to go back to relying on new orders, you're not going to have the cash flow. You're not going to have enough new orders coming in to replace the product going out. That's going to lead to lower output, lower employment. That means layoffs, and that means less consumer spending and a decrease in GDP. So, okay, so we're faced with a recession, we're faced with rising living costs, and our businesses are failing. This is not a very pretty picture we've painted here. Uh, But hold that thought. E.J. Anthony is our guest, Heritage Foundation. And uh, coming up after this really quick break, I want to talk about woke identity politics. Should that be driving our economic decisions? Why would this be a bad thing? 
that plus ESG, and so much more. All that coming up right after the quick break. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Hi, this is Father Stephen and Barato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. E.J. Anthony is our guest, a research fellow for the Regional Economics in the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. We're talking about the economy and some of the stuff that's just driving things in the what would seem to be obvious, the absolute wrong direction. Uh, welcome to you again. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, before the break, I, I set us up with the cashless society and looking at our GDP. It seems like it's a very bleak picture uh, for the, our country and the world around us. And then you put out this article over at the Heritage Foundation on woke identity politics sort of being the main driver of economic decisions. Um, we live in a world where people are more educated now than they ever have been in the history, and yet we seem to make terrible choices. Can you explain that to me? Well, I don't think it's so much that we're more educated now as we're more indoctrinated now. You know, when you go to a four-year college, university, whatever the case may be, it's not so much that, that your head is, is filled with, um, with information as it is misinformation. Mm. You know, and, and woke politics is, is a perfect example of that. We have young people leaving college today thinking that what's most important about you is your group identity, your immutable characteristics, things that, quite frankly, have no bearing on your ability to be a productive member of society. So we also have uh, ESG that gets caught up into that. So you've got woke identity politics. You've also got woke climate politics, all deciding who are the winners and who are the losers in our economy moving forward. Uh, like I saw, I think it was 17 states have adopted a mandate to go full car electric in the not-so-distant future which means if I drive a gas-guzzling 2006 Tahoe, which I do, uh, does that mean when I drive to one of these 17 states, I won't be able to find a gas pump someplace? I mean, like, it just seems bizarre to me how, like, anybody who likes to have somewhat of a, like, a decent livelihood wants to see even the poor people be raised out of poverty. 
wouldn't make decisions based on the color of one's skin or the, uh, the, the preferences of one's climate agenda? Well, you know, when everything they do is in direct contrast to what they say, in other words, they talk about how they want to help the poor and lift people up, and yet everything they do does the exact opposite. It makes people poor. It keeps people down. When everything they do is the exact opposite of what they say, you have to start believing that they don't believe what they say. And that's exactly the case. They are not about helping the planet. They are about their, they are about their own power, and that's it. They want you completely dependent on them. And yes, that may sound conspiratorial, but again, pay attention to what they do and not what they say. What they do is everything possible to get you out of your independence, to get you out of your gasoline-powered car, to make you dependent upon an electrical grid that they can turn on and off whenever they want to. Look at what's happening in Colorado. Look at what's Mm. happening in California. I'm not talking about years' worth of a trend. I'm just talking about just the last few days where you have people who are not allowed to charge their electric vehicles because the state just decided that they're not going to produce enough power for you to do so. Yeah, locking out their thermostats to the tune, I think it was 27,000 citizens, uh, we're, we're not able to cool their house below 78 because the governor said uh, they couldn't. I mean, that's fun, right? That's, that's a good time. More of that in the future, please. Um, all right. Well, here's the other thing, though. I've been called a fascist many times on Twitter, uh, and I always, I always scratch my head when someone does that. And I'm like, do you even know what the word means? Like, do you have any idea what the actual definition of fascism is? The cooperation between private and public industry... Uh, towards the towards the agenda set by uh, those in charge. It's a it's a system of na- Nazism. It's a system of socialism, Marxism, and it just enjoys the public and private cooperation. So we're seeing that now, aren't we? I mean, banks are deciding who to give money to, who to loan money to to businesses based on their climate agenda investment or their diversity investment or their diversity of, of their staff. Do they embrace the LGBTQ ideologies? Um, that is a very tragic thing. Cause when I, and here's my question. The midterms are coming. And let's just say there's a complete flip in the House, and the Senate and the House. Uh, does that mean that the banks are going to stop imposing ESG? I mean, it's their personal choice to do so, right? Right, that's true. And, you know, one of the great uh, liberal lies today is this idea that fascism is a left-wing ideology. Excuse me, is a right-wing ideology, but that's not the case. It is, in fact, a left-wing ideology because it is not about free market capitalism. It is about government restrictions and pseudo control on industry. It is inherently in the on the left end of the political spectrum, not the right. So the only real difference, quite frankly, between the Nazis and the communists is that the Nazis wanted national socialism. In other words, they wanted each country individually to be socialist, whereas the communists in Russia wanted a single uh, world control, if you will, based out of Moscow. But in, in either case, the fact remains that the, the business uh, interests of the country see that the country is moving in a left-wing direction. They see that the country is moving towards this ESG, this liberal ideology. And so they are acting in their own self-interest, just like politicians do, right? And because of that, they are starting to impose these restrictions on their own clients, because the fear is if they don't do it now, 
the government is going to do it to them and better to get ahead of the curve and position themselves in such a way that they can maximize their profit. Again, th- this is exactly what they do in, in any circumstance, whether there's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House, it doesn't matter. But if the if the midterms do actually remove the Democrats uh, from power in in the House, in the Senate, most likely we are going to see a, a curtailing, a scaling back, or or at the very least the progress will stop in moving towards towards ESG. But honestly, probably the the bigger thing that will push back against this is not so much Republicans, I think, taking back the House as it is individual state legislators punishing these corporations and saying our state is no longer going to do business with these banks or other financial institutions that are pushing this nonsense. That honestly seems to have a bigger effect. Mr. Anthony, you know, uh, this is just at the heart of your article over at Heritage.org. I encourage our, our listeners to go uh, check that article out, E.J. Anthony. If you look into that, uh, if you search E.J. Anthony on, on Heritage.org, you can find his article. But, you know, are there any um, beacons of hope out there? I know recently Governor Abbott decided that in the state of Texas, it's going to be much harder for companies who uh, practice ESG scores and that sort of thing to do business here. Uh, are there any other states that are that are doing this that are adopting it uh, you know there are several states where it's currently in process but I think Texas and West Virginia have probably made the biggest strides uh, in moving to that direction uh, but you know at, at the end of the day what is honestly probably going to make um, make an even bigger difference than the state legislatures although that is definitely the biggest thing right now but going into the future you know, the market one of the wonderful things about the market is the fact that it punishes imprudence, right? Mm. And as if you're one of these corporations that is focusing so heavily on ESG and is abandoning reliable and predictable sources of energy like coal, oil, and natural gas, you are punished when those things fail. Unreliable wind, unreliable solar. The problem is, and what is short-circuiting that mechanism right now, is government handouts and government bailouts. You look at a company like Solyndra. After that disaster, why on earth would anyone ever try that again? Oh, that's right, because all of the loans were guaranteed by the government hmm. and everyone still got paid, the bondholders, the shareholders, etc. And that is now built in to the latest infrastructure bill. And that is the kind of nonsense that we need to push back against and we need to strip out of the law. Well, we got to just spend more, EJ. That's the answer. To spend more, it'll solve all of our economic problems. And then forgive those people who take loans out in order to get an education. Obviously, that will also solve a lot of problems, too. I mean, aren't we just talking about more wealth transfer here? No, that, that's exactly right. You know, we are subsidizing failure and we are punishing success. If you are one of those people who were responsible and paid back your student loans, or if you are one of those people who never took out the loans in the first place, who just saved up the money and paid cash for college, or if you're one of those people who just went right to work and didn't go to college, guess what? You are being punished. You are paying for all of the people who were not wise, who were not prudent. You are paying for all of the people who have not paid back their student loans. You know, And if you're one of those people who who took a major that ends in the word studies and you have no <laughs> skills and yes, you have a degree, but you, you have basically have no way of actually contributing to society. You are getting a, You are effectively getting a handout from the government for your bad decisions. 
Yeah, boy, you just triggered something in me. Uh, my critique of higher education has been, I'm very critical of, of our university and college system. We've we basically turned it into a big, expensive Votech program. You know, uh, the TV VCR versus brain surgery. How much time and money do you want to put into all of this? And now we're seeing people d- taking these degrees that, like you say, have uh, no meaning whatsoever. And they end up not being able to uh, to really contribute much to back to society i mean starbucks is always in need of good baristas i suppose but now we're forgiving their debt it just seems bizarre and like we're taking a tip from socialist europe and why would we do this and i guess with only about a minute or so left on the clock i guess my biggest question is is this possible to turn this whole thing around and how would we do that oh sure i mean you know th- there's always hope right it- it's just a question of how hard are we willing to fight and how much are we willing to go through uh, in, in order to make things right? And unfortunately, we have gone a very far way in the wrong direction. We're still pointed in the wrong direction. Um, but, you know, we, we can continue to fight back. You, you can write to your congressman. You can write to your, your, um, your school board. You can show up to school board meetings. You can write to your state legislators, your governor, etc., I mean, you you can go vote. You can be involved in in all kinds of of different uh, uh, political aspects, and more importantly, you can help to educate your fellow citizens. And I think that is the path forward. Mm. Well, and pray. Yeah, pray, pray fast and do penance, as I like to say, uh, because our society around us is struggling to understand and 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 uh, and make good rational decisions, which. If only we brought back classical liberal arts, maybe more people could make reasonable conclusions and the problems that they face around them. But at, at any rate, E.J. Anthony has been our guest, Heritage Foundation. Uh, his articles are linked up there. But also, I think you posted Daily Wire, too. Isn't that correct? Uh, Daily Wire, Daily Signal, Daily Caller. Yep. And Fox News, a handful of others. All right. Praise be to God. Heritage.org. You can find him linked up there as well. God bless you, E.J. We're very grateful for your time today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. We look forward to having you back soon. Don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. And uh, coming up in the second hour, attorney Brent Haynes is going to be our guest. The VA being used to provide abortions? What's up with that? Why is the U.S. military going woke? All that and more with Brent Haynes coming up after the quick break. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow to talk about the next round of Lego Catechism. God bless you. God bless you. Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. 
And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity, then onto praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Hi, this is Terry Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash. Hi, I'm Jessica Idolette from Prince of Peace. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I hope your uh, Labor Day was good. I wonder if you guys did anything fun and cool. Coming up at the uh, second half of this hour is what we call the after show, where we conversate directly with you about whatever it is you want to talk about. You get to drive that conversation through your commentary on one of our live video feeds, which is all linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, Odyssey, we're on uh, Rumble. You can you can always comment on Rumble. We're also on LinkedIn this morning. Praise be to God. And uh, we'd always love to hear from you. And you get to do that. We'll, we'll interact directly with you. Also, Frater Garion will be back on for the after show. We'll continue our conversation about uh, religious life, why some communities thrive, why some don't, what, it, what how to make those proper discernments, and whatever else comes up. All of that in the after show, praise be to God. But, uh, Rudy, uh, yesterday, Labor Day, do, what, how do you guys celebrate Labor Day? Is it like a big barbecue fest, or what did you guys do? <laughs> we actually did have barbecue. Uh, mm-hmm. Spent the day over at the uh, at the Carbones, so thank you very much again for, for hosting me and my family. But uh, it was my birthday yesterday, so I had a really good time. Uh, went birding, as I mentioned, and uh, it was really uh, kind of scary. So I was going out to the, uh, to the pond. Mm-hmm. The grass is really tall because of all the rain that we've gotten. And I'm thinking, if I step into this grass, there's a snake. There's there. gonna be a snake, or and five, I, or yeah, or like something worse. <laughs> I don't know what could be worse than a, a cottonmouth here in in the south. Five of them, <laughs> <laughs> just like a brood. Yeah. And, and I I was carefully moving about all of the grass and and just kind of hid there. I had a really nice blind, so I took some some video of yeah. the birds. Unfortunately, my camera died, yeah. so I have to figure out what happened with that. But mm. uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. I would say that's one of the the better birthdays I've had in a long time. Oh, that's cool. Praise be to God. Mike Koeniger is also joining us from Virginia. Uh, our friend filling in today as uh, Adrian Fonseca is out all week. Uh, Mike, what did you do for Labor Day? 
drove home from Connecticut. It was lovely. Good the New times. Jersey Turnpike and uh, all those <laughs> great roads. <laughs> New Jersey Turnpike is what? Uh, just nothing but trees lined up on both sides? Or oh, you- yeah. It's just stunningly gorgeous the whole way. <laughs> stunningly gorgeous. You know, I love a good road trip, though. I really enjoy road trips. I've got one coming up next week. I'm going to on a mission trip to Arizona and back. Praise be to God. Uh, but uh, the, so one of the worst legs is the I-10 corridor through Mississippi. You don't oh, get that, to see. You that's don't, lovely as well. <laughs> you don't get to see anything of Mississippi, but <laughs> trees on both sides until you get to Mobile, and then it's, it becomes more interesting at that point. It's I mean, other than you know, I guess you you're crossing over the Great Mississippi River there, Baton Rouge. That is nice. That part, you, okay, fun, great, wonderful. Beyond that, nothing but a corridor of trees. And three hours later, you're still bored to tears. You're just like, I can't wait for this to be over. It's right up there with West Texas, Joe, which takes forever to get through. <laughs> At least West Texas. You go to Wyoming, for instance. You drive up the middle of Wyoming from from Cheyenne or something like that. And, yeah, you can see far out. Like, you can see to the edge, like to the edge of, of the horizon. But the earth moves. It's got a movement to it. It's like waves of an ocean. So it keeps you entertained and enthralled. And you look up and you're like, there's a ridge. I expect to see Indians up there on horseback or something. Cowboys on the opposite ridge. You like you expect to be engulfed in some epic drama, Custer's Last Stand or something going down. But uh, West Texas, it's pretty much just flat. North Dakota is another one of those wonderful flat states that... Uh you look at it and you say, if it rains a foot, it'll be a flood about a half an inch deep. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to God. We actually didn't do anything special whatsoever for Labor Day yesterday. I slept in until about 8.30, I think. So that was kind of nice. Special. That was, that was pretty, pretty special. special. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty special. That was nice. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we watched our grandkids and and uh, that's it. Not, no, I did eat. I take that back because uh, I'm doing this carnivore torture thing uh, for three months, and I did get to eat some brats yesterday. Ooh. So that was like a party. I mean, oh. that was a good time. Joe, <laughs> I forgot to mention the best part of, of the uh, birthday. I had a, uh-huh. uh, I had one of those porterhouse steaks. What? It was like for the first time. I was like, huh, maybe I'll give that a shot. And it was a lot more steak than I could handle, let me tell you. <laughs> you should have called. <laughs> I would come to your you guys health. up north. Yeah. You guys up north, it's, it's a lot of steak. <laughs> All right, praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Our friend, uh, attorney and uh, Catholic uh, evangelist, speaker, freedom lover, Brent Haynes is joining us now. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. What would you do for Labor Day? Well, I watched some college football Labor Day. What teams? College football. Georgia Tech and Clemson played last night. Nice, nice. Very good. And did you have a preference? I'm guessing, if I had to guess, you're a Clemson fan. No. What? Um, I, you know, I, I often root. I often root for the underdog. Just. To, oh, I see. Okay. Just, I, I, you know, I feel like we're sort of we're sort of underdogs in in society these days. Mm. So that that fits. <laughs> so no matter who's playing, you always root for the underdog. No, not always, but uh, <laughs> so, that's one of my tendencies. Well, did you get any barbecue anyway? Uh, I didn't. I didn't, but uh, I had hot dogs. Uh, close enough. It's good enough for government work, as they sp- as they say. Speaking of government work, I saw this story come out of LifeSite News. Joe Biden will turn VA hospitals into abortion centers, killing babies. From Lo- no, it was from Life News. Forgive me, I said LifeSite. It was from LifeNews dot com. W- will the VA be used as sort of a get out of jail free card for the federal government to ensure abortion gets to remain in states that have outlawed it? 
Well, Joe, as we talked about just last week, uh, the president, after the Supreme Court issued the Dobbs decision, the president instructed all of the federal agencies to use all of their authority, which really means their regulatory and administrative and funding authority, and the strings that are attached to funds to do everything they could to promote abortion. So last week we talked about the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, which really applies to hospital emergency rooms. This is really the same thing, but using a different form of the government, the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, so the Department of Veterans Affairs has issued what they call an interim final rule in terms of how they go about their policy and construe statutes. And they say they will provide abortions for women. Um, they say they'll provide abortions if the, the mother's health is in danger or if there is a, a case of rape or incest. The, uh, on the issue of rape or incest, they say they will basically take the word of the patient or the patient's guardian or representative to be sufficient to prove that it is rape or incest. Wow. So the government's mobilizing, you know, they, they're doing everything to promote abortion here. Now, um, first, you know, if you look at this just fairly and objectively, with good doctors and honest doctors and honest patients, and let's leave aside the fact that people you know, patients might, you know, in extreme, you know, in their, in their distress, they might exaggerate the situation. Um, let's leave aside the fact that some doctors are, are uh, very politically motivated and are going to be dishonest um, or exaggerate their medical judgments. We'll leave that aside because those apply under state laws and those apply under the laws where um, there are pro-life laws in various states anyway. So that doesn't matter whether it's the Department of Veterans Affairs or just a regular hospital or a medical facility. Um, if a woman's life is really threatened, abortion is allowed anyway. So that doesn't matter. Now, where there is a conflict is in, in uh, states where there is no exception allowed for rape or incest. The Department of Veterans Affairs says they're, they're going to provide uh, abortions there because, of course, this is what's necessary for the woman's health care in, the, in their view. Um, so that, that is what, uh, that's what they're trying to do. Now, some of our, uh, more politically informed listeners might say, and especially long-time pro-life advocates might say, well, what about the Hyde Amendment? And the Hyde Amendment is a law that's been on the books, uh, just about every year since 1976 that prohibits federal funds from going to abortion. Uh, but the Hyde Amendment allows the exception for the life of the mother, and it, it has different formulations over the years. And since not quite the beginning, but for many years, it's also allowed exceptions for the uh, cases for cases of rape or incest. So there's really no conflict between the Hyde Amendment and what the Department of Veterans Affairs is doing. However, so wait for it. Hmm. Congress passed a law in 1992 called the Veterans Health Care Act, hmm. and in that law, they amended uh, the law that allows. Uh, the Veterans Administration to provide medical care. And in Section 106 of that 1992 law, it explicitly excludes abortions. And by explicitly, I mean it says that the VA may provide general reproductive health care, including, you know, management of certain conditions, but not including under this section infertility services, abortions, or pregnancy care. 
Now, they do provide some pregnancy care for certain situations. Um, but it specifically says, but not including under this section abortions. So no doubt the Biden administration lawyers will come up with legal arguments uh, to support the new VA policy, but it certainly appears to directly contradict the law passed by Congress. Uh, you know, the VA secretary knows this. The White House knows this. Um, it's disturbing to see uh, what we've seen before, an increase by this White House and by President Obama, for example, when he issued DACA, the delayed you know, um, action for, chi you know, for, for child immigrants uh, on the Im immigration policy. Uh, he declared many times that he didn't have that constitutional authority, then he went ahead and did it anyway. So we see an increasing attempt by presidential administrations um, to usurp the lawmaking power of Congress. Now, Senator Lankford has already uh, sent a letter to the Secretary of Veterans Affairs calling them out on this and pointing out that the 1992 Act explicitly uh, prohibits the use of funds for abortion, and yet the federal government is going ahead anyway. Yeah, my prediction is that uh, it could be the Texas Attorney General, probably it will be the Texas Attorney General, although he doesn't have to be the only one, uh, but he has been very active in suing the Biden administration on these issues. He is the one who filed a successful Emergency Medical Treatment Act lawsuit that we discussed last week, and I suspect that he will file suit against Biden on this. Um, the uh, West Virginia Attorney General, you all mentioned West Virginia in the last segment. West Virginia Attorney General has been pretty active in suing the Biden administration on issues. And I suspect that, like these other administrative actions, such as the e EMTA LA or EMTALA, this will end up in court. And probably we're going to win this. Mm. Um, also, when you consider the Supreme Court's decision this spring in the West Virginia Environmental Protection Agency case, the Supreme Court made it clear that federal bureaucracies are not allowed to go along, uh, go beyond their express statutory authority. And here, the Veterans Administration is not only going beyond its authority, it's contradicting the law passed by Congress. Yeah. So, uh, just for clarity's sake, uh, the idea here is they would provide abortions to veterans. Well, to veterans and to, you know, certain uh, dependents. Okay. To veterans, certain veterans' dependents, and you know, people can if people want to get deep into the specifics. They can go online and look. If they just type in, you know, Veterans Administration abortion, they they can find the uh, the actual rule which goes through and lists everything. But the idea is for for veterans and, and generally anybody who would be eligible to receive health care at a veterans facility. And when does this go into effect? Well. They have an interim rule out now, so I would expect that it would it would go into effect immediately or at the end of the 30-day comment period. It depends on where they are in the process. Rules have to be issued. Uh, they have to allow uh, time for a uh, the public to provide comments, and then after those comments come in, uh, then the rule becomes final. But uh, there's, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, there's nothing to stop them from putting it into effect immediately. The entire comment uh, procedure uh, is important. That's what's called the Administrative Procedures Act. That gives people the right to call out government agencies on issues such as this one. But the reality is that most of the time, that is simply a delaying mechanism. Mm. And the, the, uh, the whole public comment period, that's usually a formality. 
Wow. I mean, I know somebody in, I know somebody in Washington, D.C. who works for a small organization. His job is simply to write comments on critical issues they're concerned about. That's fun. So the well, fight continues, Joe. All right. Well, hopefully those uh, uh, cases will be filed like immediately upon, upon this going live. But uh, Attorney Brent Haynes, thanks for keeping us up to date on this issue. God bless you. God love you, my brother. We'll see you next week. All right, that is uh, that means it's time to play the game Fear and Trembling. It's time to have a little fun. We talked about the serious stuff. Let's have a laugh next. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6, verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider. Would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers. Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. But more important than what I'm hiding from you is what you could win. And you could win. So call right now, 877-757-9424. The first caller gets to play our game. And uh, I'll, I'll let you know how it all works here in just one second. But that phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. If it's been a while since you've tried playing, you can call back at 877-757-9424. One more time, 877 877- 
888-900-9424. Call right now. But there are a few things we like to do on the down low here. Uh, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before about the Catholic faith. Praise be to God. That's always fun. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time, especially after we talk about so many serious things. It's good to, uh, you know, break up a little bit. And uh, we do that with our callers that are amazing to us when they call 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everyone involved. But here's the kicker. Here's the secret. Here's what you need to know. We have three Catholic trivia questions, but we don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know the answers, but they could still win. And that's because instead of asking them, we will ask Rudy and we will ask Mike Koniger today. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to decide whom do they trust more, Rudy or Mike. And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Now, uh, Mike, you're filling in the hot seat there for Rudy today. So do you know what they could win? I'm just curious. I, I do not. Rudy didn't tell me. <laughs> the, the Rudy who's filling in for Adrian, I guess, will have to tell us. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Our uh, sponsor this week is Mater Christi Apparel. And they've generously sponsored our show this week with uh, a shirt, a T-shirt, which uh, you can win. And it features the three hearts. Ooh. And there is nothing better and going out into the world and being a billboard and evangelizing with the things that you're wearing. So mm. you can be the winner this week. And I want to just say thank you very much, Monter Christi Apparel. Amen. Praise be to God. You know, we like doing that at our house. We like to have lots of T-shirts. I like wearing T-shirts on my off time. And uh, I like to have T-shirts with religious themes. And they are great seed planters. So thank you, Monter Christi Apparel on Etsy. We're very, very grateful to you. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Tim and Tony are friends from the mighty metropolis of Rowlett, Texas. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. How is it in the big city? It's beautiful. Is 79 it? degrees. Wow. Ooh. What's the humidity at right now? Is it like uh, <laughs> uh, 26% uh, or something? <laughs> yeah, it's not bad at all, actually. Oof, man, it, it feels like fall, doesn't it? You're like... You're getting excited. You're thinking it. Oh, it feels like fall. Like we at any moment we're going to get a little cool breeze, and it's just going to be magical and amazing. But uh, are you? Are you? Where are you on your way to today? Where's Where's the destination? We are on our way to school. Tony goes to Notre Dame School of Dallas in downtown Dallas, and I teach there. Wow, Notre Dame! Praise be to God, Tony. It's always good to have you on our show. We're very grateful for you being on again today, Tony. How are you feeling? I'm good. Staying alive. <laughs> it counts. It counts, Tony. Now, uh, are you going to have a great day at school today? Are you ready for the big day? I am. Yeah. It's going to be great. You're going to be late. Oh, I don't know about you, Tony, but I never like being late. <laughs> Forget it. I'll be two hours early yeah. before I'm late. Uh, all right. No, he you... said it's going to be great. Oh, great. My bad. My mistake. <laughs> Mea culpa. Mea culpa. Great is better than late every day of the week. Amen. All right. Uh, I know you're you're a veteran of the game. You know how this works. Uh, the only curveball, just so you know, is Mike Koeniger's on the team today instead of Adrian. So it's, it's a toss-up. How tricky will these people be? But let's see if I can't guide you through it. We will start with Mike Koeniger, as is the custom. Anybody sitting in Rudy's chair goes first. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning. Praise be to God. Are you ready, sir? Oh, I'm ready. Are you Are you sure? Real sure. Um, are you sure sure? 
Super sure. You're not wearing a tie, so I'm starting uh, to question. No. Starting to connect dots. I'm starting to wonder. Hmm. All right. Well, let's try it anyway. Uh, we'll start with a tricky question for the, on the theme of religious communities, which that's what we're talking to Fonter Gary on about. All right, Mike, could you tell me what does it mean when a religious is calced? Oh, I know this one, Joe. I just mm. looked it up last week. Really? And, and I did because I kept reading about decals, and I wondered what that meant. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joe, you look to your left. Okay. You look to your right. Yeah. And then you look down. Uh-huh. And if you're calced, you're wearing shoes or boots. Are you, are you sure? Yeah, man. I definitely. thought decals had something to do with plaque on the teeth. No? <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying it's shoes or boots. It's shoes. Sandals don't count, I guess. I, I, I don't think so. Okay. Well, hmm. Let's, let's see what uh, Brother Rudy has to say. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Uh, could you tell me, what does it mean when a religious is calced? Ah, okay, so that's short for calcified, which is a short way of saying, "Ah, they're getting pretty old. we got to replace these guys. (laughs) Yikes. Why do you look at me when you say that? Joe, you look a little calced. Did you see the look in his eye? Whoa, (laughs) I was feeling a little uh, soylent green action going on there. (laughs) Get rid of the old folks, eh, Rudy? Okay, Uh uh-huh. All right, uh, Kim and Tony, you got choices here today. Uh, what does calced mean when it comes to religious? Does it mean that they are just getting old and have to be dealt with? Or does it mean that they are wearing shoes or boots, as Mike K says? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Kim and Tony, what say you? I don't think it's Rudy. No, it's gotta be Mike. Go ahead, Mike. That's what it says. It's gotta be Mike. <laughs> Tony, uh, hmm, interesting. You want to get rid of the old people, huh, Tony? Uh, I, exactly. That's just me. Yeah. No, uh, no. Something you want to share with us, Tony? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, in fact, it is Mike. Mike K is right. It is uh, the the calced are wearing shoes. And I'm guessing Norbertines are calced because uh, Fratre Garyon has shoes on. So there's that. Uh, so decalced is no shoes, but they typically wear sandals. Uh, all right, you're in. You could win. Praise be to God. Uh, congratulations. Let's see if we can't double your chances with this next question. We will start with Rudy this time. Feels a little weird to say we're starting with Rudy the second time, but nonetheless, here we are. We, this is where we find ourselves today. <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with one of your favorite topics ever, Rudy. Ah, okay. the, the Pope and all things uh, papal. All right. Uh, could you tell me, the Pope is considered infallible when... The Pope is considered infallible always and forever. In really? every decision, in every word, mm-hmm. in every action. I see. Do not question it. Okay. Obey. So when like when he chooses like which team he's rooting for for the World Cup, that's an infallible choice. Especially when he says uh-huh. Gigum Longhorns. What? He's especially <laughs> Sorry. especially what? infallible. Did you just say? Did you what? <laughs> I need things to throw. Gig em I have gig no. Em long words, right? Um, you gig them, right? You're the, you're producing the show today, but could you please cancel yourself? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's go. Let's go with Mike K here. Mike, uh, please don't commit such blasphemies. Uh, but could you tell me the Pope is considered infallible when, when speaking on issues of faith and morals and the World Cup? No, no, <laughs> no. 
Just faith and morals, you say? Just faith and morals. You're limiting that pretty hardcore there, Mike, but let's just see. I'm Richard. Kim and Tony, you got choices. The Pope is considered infallible. Is it as Mike says when it's on faith and morals alone? Or is it as Rudy says, it, it pretty much everything? It doesn't matter what he has opinions on. They are considered infallible. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kim and Tony, what say you? Team Mike. Team Mike. Survey says... <laughs> Team brick wall. We for can't the phase him. Yeah, gig him long. What? <laughs> oh, I gotta spit that out of my mouth. I can't even say. Gigam Aggies. Uh, saw them off. That's Thank all I gotta you. say. Saw them off. All right. Uh, third question. We gotta hurry now. We're running out of time. Back to Mike Koeniger. Mike, could you tell me who is the patron saint of housewives? Housewives and warriors. Saint Michael. Really? They get Saint Michael. Housewives get to share Saint Michael with warriors? They're both battling. They're battling. <laughs> Their husbands or what? <laughs> like what are they? <laughs> the kids are battling the kids. Okay, all right, uh, Rudy. Maybe you can help. Who is the patron saint of housewives? Ah, uh, that's going to be Saint Anne. Saint Anne. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kim and Tony. Who is the patron saint of housewives? Is it Saint Anne, as Rudy is telling us, or is it? St. Michael the Archangel, as Mike Kuniger seems to think. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Kim and Tony in Rowlett, Texas. What say you? I hope this is not wrong, but I'm going to shoot for Rudy. You're going to shoot Rudy? Is oh, that what man. I He's going to cows me. <laughs> He's going to cows to you. <laughs> 15 seconds. All right, you got... Okay, survey says, yeah. <laughs> I forgot where I was. Yeah. All right, Rudy. Uh, St. Anne is the correct answer. St. Michael is not the correct. Although I'm sure my wife would prefer St. Michael sometimes when she's battling her knucklehead, knuckle-dragger husband. But you are correct. You're in. You're in. You a perfect score. Yay. Yay. Tony, I, I never want to bet against you, brother. You always seem to get it right. He's a sharpshooter. You are. You are. Enjoy your day today at school. We'll be praying for you. Please keep us in your prayers, too. But, uh... God love you guys. Have a great day, and thanks for being on our show. Thank you, too. That's going to do it for the uh, radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, Frater Garyon is going to be back. If you would like to talk to a guy who looks and dresses like the Pope, well, now's your chance. Uh, you can hang out with us on one of our live video feeds, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Tuesday in the 23rd week of Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise forth tell. Come we before him and rejoice. Know that the Lord is God indeed. Without our aid he did us make. We are his folk, he does us feed. And for his sheep he does us take. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray, pray for, for me to the Lord our God. The Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison. Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. O God, by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, how can any one of you, with a case against another, dare to bring it to the unjust for judgment instead of to the holy ones? Do you not know that the holy ones will judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you, are you unqualified for the lowest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? Then why not everyday matters? If, therefore, you have courts for everyday matters, do you seat as judges people of no standing in the church? I say this to shame you. Can it be that there is not one among you wise enough to be able to settle a case between brothers? But rather, brother goes to court against brother, and that before unbelievers? Now indeed, then it is, in any case, a failure on your part that you have lawsuits against one another. Why not rather put up with injustice? Why not rather let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you inflict injustice and cheat, and this to brothers. Do you not know that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor boy prostitutes, nor sodomites, nor thieves, 
nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is what some of you used to be, but now you have had yourselves washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord takes delight in his people. The, the Lord, Lord takes delight in his people. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in their maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. The, the Lord, Lord takes delight in his people. Let them praise his name in the festive dance. Let them sing praise to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord loves his people, and he adorns the lowly with victory. The, the Lord, Lord takes delight in his people. people. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy upon their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. This is the glory of all his faithful. Alleluia. The, the Lord, Lord takes delight in his people. Alleluia. 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 I chose you from the world, that you may go and bear fruit that will last, says the Lord. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus departed to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. When day came, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a stretch of level ground. A great crowd of disciples and large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And even those who were tormented by unclean spirits were cured. Everyone in the crowd sought to touch him because power came from forth from him and healed them all. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In his book, Called to Communion, Pope Benedict points out that this counterpart gospel in Matthew was the one point where, outside of the book of Genesis, where they used the word Baruch when talking about the church, creating the church. So the, the word Baruch is a Hebrew word used only in Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth. The church is the new creation of the living God. And it happens because God has named not just the 12 apostles, but he has named every disciple in the church. For this reason, he points out, the church was benefited from creation because creation was created for the church. It was created for the people to belong to God, that people, that body of people 
who had belonged to God, that all creation serves the purpose to bring people into communion with God. And therefore, this world desperately needs the church. The world desperately needs to gather into the assembly of the faithful and to be healed of its diseases, to be cast out the, the spirits that plague the nations with error and disunity and war and everything else, if people would turn to God and if they would repent of their sins, all peace would happen on the earth. Therefore, this kind of responsibility adds weight to the call to holiness, to become what we are called to be, to become the church, the people that belong to God. And this world at our time desperately needs saints, holy men and women to uh, call forth that, call forth from, from the world and, and call the world to conscience. It makes me think of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, whose 25th death anniversary we celebrated yesterday, her and so, some of us celebrated her memorial yesterday, that she would stand in front of one of the most uh, powerful men in the world, uh, I think it was President Bill Clinton at the time, and tell him that he had to stop abortion. Uh, we need those kinds of saints. Where are they? Are they hiding under a rock? Where are they now? We, we need people to, Catholics especially, to recognize that you are called, you are named by God, and you have responsibility to become holy as God is holy. This daunting task may seem difficult, but it, Jesus in the Eucharist is right here with us. We have no excuse because the Lord Jesus is right here, the, the Lord who has called us and names us at every Mass. He gives us at every Mass a specific call to holiness, a specific mission to put into practice the mission that, that he gives us through the readings, but also through the grace of the, the liturgy of the day. And so, so we're called every day. So we have no excuse to become holy. And that's why like the first reading, it's, it's really relieving to so many people uh, the, the kind of hyper-vigilance in the church lately to cleanse the church and make the church just, to get rid of the spirit of fornication, the spirit of sodomy, the spirit of, of that which is not God. And this is something that needs to happen every generation, that the church would not be uh, tolerant of these kind of things within its own ranks. And the church would you know, he be healed first, firstly uh, through that justice. And it's, it's an important spirit of hypervigilance to continue that, and it's it's a it's a great gift uh, that we have for our times, and it can seem like a curse, it can seem like a, a difficulty, but it's something that we have been given for our times to help the world, because first things pass through the church, and then they pass through the world by bringing people to be of a higher account, and so we have to give this gift of the church to the world. May the prayers of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the prayers of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Give us the strength and that intercession we need to answer this call to holiness in our times. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the holiness of the face of Jesus Christ to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. 
Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders. They may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all Catholics that they may answer the call to holiness through the intercession of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, the abandoned, the rejected, the lost, the forsaken, that we may have the courage to uh, recognize Jesus in his distressing disguise, the poorest of the poor. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Lord, whose love in humble service bore the weight of human need, who did on the cross forsaken show us mercy's perfect deed, we, your servants, bring the worship, not a voice alone, but heart, consecrating to your purpose every gift which you impart. Still your children wander homeless, Still the hungry cry for bread, Still the captives long for freedom, Still in grief we mourn our dead. As, O Lord, your deep compassion healed the sick and freed the soul, use the love your Spirit kindles still to save and make us whole. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. O God, who give us the gift of true prayer and of peace, graciously grant that through this offering we may do fitting homage to your divine majesty, and by partaking of the sacred mystery, we may be faithfully united in mind and heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. He stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. 
Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahot, Veni sunt celia terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Granted, we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself 
all your children, scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Procepti salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tu nomen tuum, adveniat renum tuum, iat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et de nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon, like the deer that yearns for running streams, so my soul is yearning for you, my God. My soul is thirsting for God, the living God. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come, at least spiritually, into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there. 
and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. As when the shepherd calls his sheep, they know and heed his voice. So when you call your family, Lord, we follow and rejoice. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. With joyful lips we sing to you our praise and gratitude that you should count us worthy, Lord, to share this heavenly food. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. Is not the cup we bless and share, the blood of Christ outpoured? Do not one cup, one loaf declare our oneness in the Lord? You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. The mystery of your presence, Lord, no mortal tongue can tell whom all the world cannot contain, comes in our hearts to dwell. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. Come give to us, O saving Lord, the bread of life to eat. Let us pray. Grant that your faithful Lord, whom you nourish and endow with life, through the food of your word and heavenly sacrament, may so benefit from your beloved Son's great gifts, that we may merit an eternal share in his life, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed.
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Deborah Haney from the Catholic School's Office at the Archdiocese.